You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. All right, good morning, church. Good morning, how are you guys? Good to be with you, good to be with you here. My name is Sam, I'm the lead pastor. If we have not had the privilege of meeting, we should fix that, we should fix that. And so you can come by the lobby on the way out. Uh, We'd love to put a face with the name, meet you there. Uh, Also, if you're new in the gathering, in the sermon guide there, you should have a, a gathering card, a connection card. You can go ahead and put as much information on that card as you are comfortable filling out, uh, and our awesome team will get you some information, uh, just follow up with you. We won't blow up your inbox. We will just uh, say hello, and if there's any information you need, you let us know, and we'll get that to you. So welcome. We are East Point Church, and uh, we are in our first series here. I may need some technical help here, team in the back. I, I know it seems simple. I just don't know how to move the wheels on the television. Um, so it was more complicated than I assumed, my apologies. But, but we're in our first series here called 1,000, okay? And the idea is that a picture is worth 1,000 words, that's right. A picture is worth 1,000 words. And what we are doing for our first series is we are looking to these pictures in Scripture saying, Lord, what do you want the church to be like? And so we're going to look at these pictures because each of them is worth a thousand words. And so like Derek alluded to last week, we learned that the church is like a body. We are different, very different, but we're one, right? There's unity in our diversity. We learned that we are like a field where God is growing things. And some of his servants are planting, some of his servants are watering, but at the end of the day, God is bringing the growth. The first week, we learned that the church is like a bride. And Anybody have their wedding rings? Show me your wedding rings on the back of your phones. Not your real ones, your phone ones. Come on. That's right. East Point Church, we had an awesome launch Sunday, uh, uh, recognizing that God is preparing us like a bride. And so today, are you ready for a new picture? All right, I'm not going to tell you what the picture is. I'm not going to tell you yet. We're going to discover it together. But in order to get there, we are going to take you to ground zero. All right? New construction. I may have changed the source. It may be as simple as the source. So there you go. My apologies. Uh, I'm taking you to new construction. Anybody here enjoy new construction? Okay, all the residents are like, traffic, I hate it. Well, besides the traffic, I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm going to tell you this because I think the statute of limitations is up. So uh, (laughs) I know a guy. I know a guy, really is what it is. I know a guy that when he was a teenager, all right, it's me. I can't even lie to you. When I was a teenager, uh, there was like a two-year stretch of period where there were new homes going up all in my development, okay? And so I'm in my house. Me and my friends are there, and they're building all of these basically like life-size Lincoln logs, right? And so what else would we do except for going and exploring these construction sites, right? And we, we weren't, you know, vandalizing or anything. We just walk into the construction sites, and we loved it. It was like our clubhouse. We'd, we'd hang out there. Like, you had a clubhouse at 16? We did. We'd hang out in the construction site, and we just loved walking through the sticks of the house. And then the next day, we'd go in, and like, there's wires through all the wall, and we just loved it. There is something exciting about new construction. There is something exciting about looking at something being built in real time and wondering, what is this going to be like? What's going to happen here? Uh, I grew up in New York City, you know, and so new construction there looks a lot different than new construction on the shore, you know. And so you'd have these cranes. I mean, it was huge. They were huge operations to see buildings being erected, being refurbished, remodeled, all these things. 
Maybe you're here in this community and you see new construction coming up and new buildings. And as a resident, there's something exciting. You look at these sites and you say, what will this pile of bricks and sticks and concrete, what will this be one day? And you drive down and one day it's just a cornfield. And then the next day there's these huge cranes and vehicles and a bunch of guys standing around, seven guys on one map, you know. And they're just working really hard. And you see the sign, future site of. What is it going to be? What is it going to be? If it doesn't work, I'll just go without the TV. No stress. So you guys, you guys do your thing, and I appreciate you. But new construction, right? New construction. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to grab your hard hats, and I want you to grab your lunch pails. Because we're going to work. Woo, we're going to work, friends. We are going to the construction site, and we are going to hear the sounds. We are going to see the sights. You're going to... Smell the smells of new construction. Are you guys ready for new construction? You want new construction? All right. It's going to get rowdy, just like most construction sites. But East Point Church, we're ready for this. We're built for this. So, All right, here we go. New construction. We're starting in 1 Peter chapter 2 in our series. We're going to jump into verse 5. Here we go. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate you. Thank you. All right, new construction, starting in verse 5. This is what Peter says. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So, the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. This is God's word for East Point Church this morning. And so that's our whole passage. And what we like to do here at churches, we'll read the passage and then we just go right back to the top and we're going to work it down line by line and see what God says to us. So let's go back to the first verse here and let's read it one more time, okay? As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you see the new construction? Can you guys hear it? Do you, do you hear the jackhammers going? Do you smell the concrete in the air? We are here at ground zero, and we see that God is building something. But he's not using bricks. He's not using stones that are hewn from a quarry. The stones that he's using are actually alive. Do you see what it says? The stones that he's using are alive. The building material that he's using, the pieces that he is putting together, we see, first of all, it's Jesus, a living stone, and then it's also you yourselves, like living stones. The thing I love about this picture, right off the jump, the thing I love about this picture is that this is not just an abstract metaphor about the church at large. This picture involves you. 
You are a living stone. When you come to Jesus Christ, as you come to him, you are being built up as a spiritual house. You, dad, you, sister, you, student, you are involved in this metaphor because when you come to Jesus, you are experiencing a life-altering, purpose-giving, eternity-shaping experience. When you surrender your life and you live for Jesus, here's what I'm telling you. You are a part of something that God is building, and what he's building is bigger than you. But you're a part of it. There's purpose here in this metaphor for you, my friend. Our faith is not a passive, sit back, check the box, just hold on and wait for heaven kind of faith. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but that doesn't have a lot of purpose for my everyday life. I'm just, I'm in. That's not what's happening. No, no, no. You are a living stone. There is something happening. God is in the middle of a building project on earth, and you are there at ground zero. A living stone. There is purpose here for you. He is building something piece by piece. Living stone upon living stone. Jesus is one of those stones, and then each of you are one of those stones, and he is erecting something that is stunning. He is building something here that is going to change your life and it's going to change our entire community. Do you see what he's building? He's building a house. But it's not just any house, right? Like if he was building a house, that would be cool because then I'd probably say something like, we're a family and we all live in the house together and yay, he built a house. No, 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 he's not just building a house. He is building a spiritual house. Now, Peter, he wrote this book, he wrote this letter, and his audience was primarily Jewish, okay? And so they have different backgrounds, different experiences, different education and upbringing. So I can almost guarantee you that as soon as he said this, Peter's audience would need way less context clues than you, right? For all my non-Jewish brothers and sisters in here, what's up? And for my Jewish brothers and sisters, what's up? Glad you're here, okay? If you're here, but check it out. When he says spiritual house, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Do you? Do you know what he's talking about? Let me give you some context clues. We see priesthood. We see sacrifices. What do you guys think he's talking about? He's talking about the temple. Peter is talking about the Old Testament temple, the one that was built by Solomon. And so for those of you, maybe you're newer to the faith, maybe you've never read the Old Testament, let me tell you something wild here, okay? In the Old Testament, God told David, the king, he said, I'm going to have your son, Solomon, build me a house. What? <laughs> the creator of the universe, you're going to build a house for him. And so you're sitting here going, how can the guy who created all of that, you're going to create a house for, like, that literally makes no sense. And you would be right, because Solomon, the one who was in charge of building this house, he said the same thing. Look what he says here. In first, going back to 1 Kings, he says, or 1 uh, Chronicles 2.6, he says, who is able to build him a house since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him? Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? He goes, you want me to build a what? He says it again, 1 Kings chapter 8. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven, the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built? 
You want God to move into a house that is wild, that is absurd. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. Look what it says, First Chronicles uh, in chapter 7. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord. They built the house, and they stand back, and they go, wow, look at this feat of architecture. And then, whoosh, the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement. <laughs> and they worshiped. And they gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. God literally built a physical house, a spiritual house, and he moved in. And all of the country, all of Israel, every time they saw the house, every time they saw the temple, they were reminded of two things. Two things. The temple, number one, is a place to meet God. The temple is a place to meet God. Every time you looked at the temple, it was a statement. God in heaven, the God, he stooped down to humanity's level. He descended to us so that he could be near and so that he could be known. Every other religion, get up to God, climb up to God, earn your way to God, and the temple is a statement. No, 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 our God climbed down the ladder, and he is near, and he is known. It was a statement that God, never ever has this been heard of, that our God made his spirit literally dwell in a building. He said, my name will be there, meaning everything that I am, everything that I am, my being, is in that building. And every time they saw the temple, what a powerful, beautiful illustration. God has made himself available. God's presence is there. God is near. God can actually be known. He's not a faraway God. And his friends were like, how do you know this? Look at the temple. The temple is a place to meet God. Can anybody use a temple right about now? Oh, man, imagine a temple. Like, imagine a temple where God was actually near to us. Imagine a temple where his spirit was literally here and we could be near him and we could know, could anybody use a temple right about now? I could, I could. But there's more. Not only was it a place to meet God, the temple was also a place of atonement. So you go to the temple and there were these people working there. They were called priests. And the priests, they had one job. They were to tell the world the provision for forgiveness of sins that God had made. Hey, everybody, good news. I'm a priest. Just want you to know God has made a way for you to be forgiven. God has made a way for you to be in his family. God has made a way to cleanse you and to wash you from your sins. And so my job is to connect you to him. Oh, man, could anybody use the priest right about now? Could anybody use a priest to remind us that God has made a way to be washed clean? Our anger, our pride, our lust, our greed, our selfishness. Hey, by the way, he's already paid for those things. These priests were the hands and the feet of God's grace, forgiveness, and mercy. How many of you would pay to know a priest right about now? Right? A phys like literally a human being who could be close to you, look you in the face and say, you are forgiven. Hey, 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 God has actually made a way for your sins to be atoned for. Could anybody use 
a priest right about now? Can anybody use a temple right about now? Imagine what it would be like if on the eastern shore, oh my goodness, literally on the eastern shore, what would it be like if there was a temple on the eastern shore and God himself dwelled there? What would it be like if there was a place in Talbot County and he said, hey, you want to meet God? You want to have your sins atoned for? Just go there. Go to the temple. Oh my goodness. Talk about new construction. Sign me up. I will subscribe to that temple. I will be a paid premium user. Can anybody use a temple right about now? And here's what Peter is saying. God is building a temple. What? Where? Where's the temple? Give me the address. God is building a temple. He's doing it all over again. I know we're not several thousand years ago. I know we're not in 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles. But God is building a new temple. He is building a new spiritual house where people can meet him. He is building a new house where he said he's actually going to put his spirit and dwell in this temple. There is a new place where there will be new priests. And these priests will minister to God and they will introduce people who are far from him to him. There's new construction, guys. There is a new temple, a place where his spirit actually dwells, a place where he is near and he can be known. Would a temple sound good to you right about now? You want that temple? You want, you want, you want to know where it is? Because he gives us the address. He literally, like in the Greek, if you read the Greek, you can see the address of this new temple. You know what the address is? 123 U Street. You're the temple. You're the temple. You see, friends, what he's saying here as he looks to the people, as he looks to the Christians, those of you who have come to Jesus, he's saying, I want you to understand that the church is like a temple. Hey, so uh, I'm at work. Hey, hey, guys, so I, there's this new church, East Point Church. And, uh, you know, it's like kind of cool. We changed our name. We got some really cool colors and so we have a church now. That's kind of cool. That's what happened this weekend. Oh, so why do you have a church? Well, you know, we just want to like, you know what churches do. Like, you know, just like be good. And, you know, we just want to like give back to the community and, you know, just like be better. That's, that's what we do. And Peter is saying, you don't even understand the significance of what is happening here. The church is not a philanthropic society. The church is not a social club for you to have friends. The church is not a place where you can come and feel better about yourself. The church is not a place where we come just to say, well, this is tradition and this is the right thing to do and this is what grandma always did. No, no, no. You have to understand what God is building here is nothing less stunning than the fact that he is building a new temple. And it's you. You yourselves, like living stones, are being put together into a spiritual house. When we come together, friends, when we come together, check it out, the temple, right? The temple's a place to meet God. No, no, no. The church is a place to meet God. When we come together, his spirit literally dwells here. Like, do you understand that? Peter's Jewish audience, when they hear him talking about the spirit dwells in us, they're not going, oh, wow, that's, that's a nice song. They're going, what? Because the, they understand that spirit. The Spirit is here in the space between us. When Christians come together, His Spirit is here. He is near to us. This is a place where people can know the forgiveness of sins because we, just like in the Old Testament, we are a priesthood. We are telling people, hey, by the way, God has made provision for your sins. 
God has made a way for your sin to be atoned for. We are a priesthood. We, just like the temple, we are a place where there are sacrifices happening every... Did you guys slaughter your animal on the way in this morning? Did you guys offer your sacrifices at the... Your, your pigeons? Your grain? Nobody? We missed it. we got to put that in the announcements next week. <laughs> Welcome to East Point. You can kill the fatted calf on the way in. No, we're offering sacrifices, not of animals. Our lives. Spiritual sacrifices. Everything in our life, our time, our talent, our treasures, our work ethic, everything is saying, God, this is for you. This is for you. I love you. And we're sacrificing. Guys, if a picture is worth a thousand words, hear when I say it. The church is like a temple. And I want you to let every last one of those thousand words hit you as you understand the importance of what God is building here at this church. You can hear every week, every week you can hear here that God has moved into the neighborhood. God has made a way to deal with our sin. God is bringing people into this family. Where else can people in Talbot County hear this? There are plenty of places where people can hear about politics and sociology and economics and commentary on our current state. They can hear about sports. They can hear comedy. Where else will they hear the fact that God is near and God can be known? It's the church. It's his church. It's the only place. It's the only place. And so if you're new this morning and you're checking us out and you're like, whoa, this is different. Hey, what a great picture for you to be here because we can just tell you right off the jump from this metaphor. Here's what we are about. Here's the most important thing about us. More than anything, this is a community where you can meet God. This is a community where every week you will hear the good news preached from this pulpit that God is near to us and God can be known by us. Man, you thought it was a cool idea that God moved into a physical building? Let me tell you something better. He came down and he put on flesh. You know that? That's our message. God didn't just come down into a building. He came down in flesh to rescue you. And that rescue mission, it culminated and climaxed when he stepped onto a cross. And he took the sin that you deserve so that we could have the seat at the right hand of God that, we, that he deserved. We are now sons and daughters in God's family. And because we're a temple, you're going to hear that every week. Every week. Well, eventually we're going to have to change it up because it'll get boring. Every week. We need a new pulpit, man. That's every week. It's <laughs> not going to last every week. Every week, because the church is like a temple. And so let's keep going. God is building a temple. He has Jesus, a living stone, each one of you and me. We are living stones, and he's building something here. But I want you to notice this. Not all of the stones are created equal. One of those stones is actually pretty controversial. And so we see that one of those stones, it's chosen by God, but it's rejected by men. One of these stones is rejected by men. And so my question for you is, like, uh, can we just do without one of those stones? I mean, a stone is a stone, right? So, like, can't we just, like, why don't we just take the one that's controversial, let's put it into the discard pile, and then we can keep building this thing together, a stone is a stone. So what is so special about this one stone named Jesus? We're all living stones. Why do we need that stone? Let's look at the last part of our verse here. For it stands in Scripture. 
Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Last verse, verse 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And so we see here that this controversial stone um, doesn't seem to be pretty negotiable, huh? This controversial stone, this rejected stone, doesn't seem to be up for debate. And here's how we know it. Peter, he calls Jesus the cornerstone. And as he explains here, you're going to see this. Whenever you see this in your Bible, you can circle it, you can underline it. But you see these little marks here, the quotation marks? And so he actually is quoting three scripture verses from the first part of our Bible. So the New Testament, and that's like, that's why we believe that the Bible is one story. It's not like 66 little fiction stories. The Bible is connected, and so the New Testament writers, they're talking about Jesus, and they'll often go back and quote the Old Testament. And so there are three quotes here. He quotes Isaiah 28 first. And here's what you got to know about Isaiah 28. This is all you need to know. You can go back and read Isaiah 28. But Isaiah 28 was written to the Jews in Jerusalem many, many years after the temple was already built. So we talked about the temple. That's awesome. Many years later, it's crazy. Jerusalem gone wild. The leaders themselves, the leaders are off the rails, but they won't repent. They won't turn back. And you know why? It's going to blow your mind. Do you know why they won't repent? They go like this. They go, psh, we got the temple. What, what could happen to us? We have the temple. They basically started to treat the temple like a good luck charm. The very building that was meant to inspire love and obedience to God now became their little good luck charm. of like, yeah, we don't have to repent. We don't actually have to live for God. Psh, we got God on a leash. What's the worst that could happen to us? And God speaks powerfully in Isaiah 28. And he says, you know what? I'm going to show you where your temple is going to go. I'm going to build something new here in Jerusalem. I'm going to build something new. I'm putting on my hard hat. I'm tooling up right now. I'm going to start a new construction project in Jerusalem. And just like any good builder, my construction project is going to have a cornerstone. A cornerstone that is chosen and precious. A cornerstone is simply, it's the most critical stone. The cornerstone is a stone that was placed in the corner of the foundation where two walls would meet. And it was the most important stone because it makes sure that everything else that's being built is square and stable. Everything is built off of the placement of this stone. You can't have the building without the cornerstone. God is doing something new and he's, he's going to have a cornerstone that is chosen and precious. And what Peter is saying here is, hey, Jesus is not negotiable because Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything that God is doing, all of this new construction, this new thing that he's building, friends, we need to understand that the church is built on Christ. The church is built on Christ. Jesus is the chosen and precious cornerstone that God foretold us about. He's the foundation. He's the key He's the linchpin of this new temple. He is the foundation of the church. And this whole endeavor, this whole plan, the whole church, it doesn't matter how excited we get. It depends on Jesus. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame because that stone, woo, that stone's not going anywhere. 
The church is built on Christ. And here's where the sad reality hits us. How many churches are out there and they have tried to maintain a form of church without the Christ? How many churches still wear the suits, but they've lost their Savior? They still meet in buildings, but they've lost the foundation. They stand in pulpits with no power. They preach sermons with no point because the stone that they discarded, the stone that they said we can do without, that was the most important stone of all. It's the cornerstone. If we don't have Jesus, what do we have? And so my prayer for us this week has been, Lord, may Jesus forever be the point of East Point. The church is built on Christ. And so they've rejected him. There's two more quotes. Y'all. I'll show you here very quickly. Two more quotes. Psalm 118 and Isaiah 7. And the reason why he quotes these next few quotes here, or the, these next few verses, is to show us that even this rejection of Jesus, it didn't surprise God. All the way back in the Old Testament, not only did God say that he would send Jesus, he also predicted, he foretold us and they will reject him. Look what he says here, right? He says, the builders, the builders. In Psalm 118, he's talking to the builders, the people who are on the construction site who have been tasked with actually seeing this come to fruition, a.k.a. the leadership. The leadership. He's talking to the leaders, and he says even the leaders are going to reject Jesus. They're supposed to be carrying out God's plan, and instead, they have rejected the cornerstone. This is so sad. I remember when I was a kid, um, I would go to Home Depot on a Saturday morning at 8 a.m. with my dad, and all of you know my pain. Right? I'm waking up like, it's Saturday, it's time for cartoons. My dad comes in with his, his boots and his belt, and, he's got, and he had the hat. You know, it was like, uh-oh, it's Saturday. Dad's wearing the hat. I'm like, don't let him see me, don't let him see me. I just want to watch cartoons and play my Nintendo 64. Don't let him see me. And he come in, and he goes, hey, Sam, I need you to be up. I'm like, why, Dad? Because you know we're going to Home Depot. I'm like, no! Dude, Home Depot was the worst. So to this day, I go to Lowe's. Because there's just two, I'm not even kidding. Like, I go into Home Depot, and your boy is, like, sweating a little bit. I'm like, get me out of here, you know? And so it was the worst. Man, we go to Home Depot, and your guy, looking like he's Bob the Builder over here, he's taking out these, these, these two-by-fours because we're doing, like, doing our basement, and he's finishing the attic. And then, dude, the year of 2007, 2007, and, like, we're building a fence. I'll never get that summer back. But anyway, and he's, and he's taking out the two-by-fours, right? And he does this move. How many of you dads, you're guilty. He takes out this move, and he goes, your boy's looking down the board, right? Like, what are you doing, right? And he's like, yeah, it's not good. And he tosses it onto the discard pile. And he takes up another one. He's looking down the board. And he's like, you see, son? I was like, your son don't care. Are we done yet? You know? I'm just being real this morning, you know? And so he's looking down the boards, and he's sighting them up. And I'm like, you're not Christopher Columbus. Just, you're not building a boat. And he would tell me, though, what he was doing was, do you guys know what he was doing? He was looking to see if the boards were warped. And if the board was straight, he'd put it into our magic cart. If the board was warped, he would put it in the discard pile. I go, Dad, why are you put it on the floor? Put it back on the floor. Well, I don't want the next person. I was like, the next person will deal with it. <laughs> this is like counseling right now. This is emotional. <laughs> and you see, I tell you that because the builders, they're a part of God's plan. And they're looking at the stones, right? And they're saying, oh, where's the good stone? Where's the bad stone? And they have discarded, they have rejected a stone. 
And what God is saying is the very stone that you've rejected, the very stone that you have discarded, the very stone that you have said, we don't need this one, come on, this is not good, that was actually the cornerstone. You actually just put on the discard pile the most important stone of them all. It's Jesus. The whole thing depends on him. They looked at the stone, friends, and they rejected him. They killed him. The one that they looked at and they said, ah, pass, give us the next stone. Jesus said, God said, nope. That was the cornerstone. He was the most important stone of them all. And do you know why they rejected him? Do you know why people still reject him today? Do you know why many of us in this room spent a large portion of our life rejecting him and then coming to faith later? Well, remember that second quotation. Look what he says. This is why they rejected Jesus. Not only is he a cornerstone, he's also a stone of stumbling. They stumble on the stone, which tells me, number one, they rejected Jesus because Jesus is not, Jesus is not what we expected. Jesus is not what we expected. People see Jesus, they met Jesus in Jerusalem, and they stumbled, meaning they were getting caught up on some things. They hit a snag in the plan. They were unable to just get past this. He's not what they were expecting. It's not supposed to be this way. God is supposed to save us, and we get this guy? A crucified carpenter? We wanted a conquering king. They were looking for someone to carry a scepter, not a cross. They wanted someone to wear a crown of gold, not a crown of thorns. They were looking for someone to ascend a throne, not to ascend a tree. And they stumbled. They just couldn't get past. This is, this is the plan? And they stumbled. They said, this can't be it. Pass. That was the cornerstone. Not only is he a stone of stumbling, they keep the stone metaphor here. Peter must have been like a woodworker with stones because he just loves the stones. Look what he says. He also says, not only was he a stone of stumbling, he is also a rock of offense. A rock of offense. So not only was Jesus not what they expected, but Jesus also offends our sensibilities. Jesus said things that everybody around the circle said, Woo, what? He wounded pride. He said things that were super hard. When he was hanging out with the leaders, he didn't just give them a wink and a pass and go, come on, I get it, you're in, you know. He called people to the carpet. He didn't mince his words. He didn't give people the false sense of security that we like so much. He had the audacity to tell us that we needed to repent of sin. Do you know how much good I do? Are you sin? Do you know who my family is? Do you know how much money is in my Are you kid? Do you know how much power I have in this society? The audacity. He had the audacity to claim to be God's chosen king of God's kingdom. He had the audacity. He didn't even like give an invitation, right? You know, like on Facebook, you give an invitation to the party, but you want to give people an out, so you say, yes, I'm coming, no, I'm not, or maybe I'm interested. I hate that button. Commit! You responsibility phobic society. And I'm like, maybe I'll see. What that means is I'm not sure I'm going to keep my options open, but I'll keep it in my back pocket. I hate it. Jesus didn't do that. He's like, would you like to follow God? Yes, no, I'm thinking about it. Jesus had the audacity to stand up there and he gave a summons. 
you ever been summoned to jury duty? You don't say, let me think about it. <laughs> There's only two things you do with a summons. You obey or you disobey. And Jesus was bold. And he offended a lot of people. He said, you will follow the cornerstone or you will be crushed by the cornerstone. It takes humility to enter the kingdom of God. Because Jesus was making some wild and offensive claims. Unless they were true. Unless he really was the cornerstone. Unless Jesus really was the cornerstone, the key to God's entire plan. And so people, they stumble, they reject him, they stumble on him, they are offended by him. And then Peter, in the very last verse, he says, you know what, let's be real here, it's actually not about Jesus at all. It's not about how offensive he is, there's no excuses, you can't say, well, if Jesus was just more, no, no, actually, they're rejecting Jesus, and it actually has less to do with Jesus and more to do with what's in their own hearts. Their response to Jesus reveals what was in their hearts toward God. That's what it comes down to. He says it here. They stumble because they disobey the word. They're rejecting God in the flesh because in their heart, they've already rejected God the Father. And so when Jesus shows up, friends, all he's doing is bringing the disobedience in their heart to a head. All he's doing is exposing the disbelief that was already in their hearts. They're not stumbling because Jesus is too much. They're stumbling because they don't really love God anyway. And so how else would they treat him when he shows up? God in flesh. And he says it so powerfully here. Right? Don't get caught up on this. Don't feel like, well, maybe. Listen, they stumble on Jesus. Those who disobey God in their heart, they were destined to stumble on God in the flesh. Those who don't want God will always stumble on his son Jesus. This was not a surprise to God. This was not a, what? I sent my son. I thought for sure. No, no, they were destined from of old. He knew those who were disobedient in their heart, they were going to be disobedient to his son. And so Peter, I love as he's, as he's telling us that God is building a new temple. The church is like a temple. He's telling us that Jesus is the cornerstone. The church is built on Christ. But we can't lose sleep when our Christ is rejected. It was always to be so. And so the question is not for those out there. The question is for you and here, friends. The big idea of this message, as we listen to the temple, how will you respond to the cornerstone? How will you respond to the cornerstone? Our message is clear. God is bringing people into his family. He is building something new, just like a temple, a place where you can meet God, a place where you can experience atonement for your sins. He is building something new, but there's only one way in. It's Jesus. And so you, friend, what is your response to the cornerstone? Will you build your life on the cornerstone? Or will you stumble? Will you reject it? Will you be offended by it? There's only one good answer, friends. There's only one good answer, and that's where we as preachers, as elders, as a church, we plead. This is not like, a, hey, I don't really care what you do. Like, this is what keeps me up at night. Think about this. God's plan for bringing people into his family is to put his word in the mouths of other human beings and to say, hey, just proclaim that loudly. Be a herald. Be a preacher. Be a proclaimer. Who is sufficient for these things? And so we plead and we say, 
from East Point Church, respond to the cornerstone. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Because when the storm comes and the wind comes and the waves crash, that stone's not budging. And so East Point, may we be able to say forever that Jesus is the point of East Point. And we are like a temple. We are like a temple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you so much for these pictures. We've had so much joy looking at these pictures and understanding your purpose, understanding your plan for us, Lord, because we want to be what you want us to be, God. We don't want to just make this up as we go along. And so I pray that East Point would be like a temple, that this would be a place where the entire Eastern Shore knows that they can meet God here. They say, I don't, I don't know much about it, but I know this. Man, when I'm there, I learn more about God. I realize how near he is to me. I realize to what great lengths he went to forgive me and make atonement for my sins. May that be true of this church, Father, to the glory of your son, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Why don't we stand? We're going to respond through singing this morning. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.